Picture this. It's a cool, crisp night. Snow falls gently outside. Inside, you're in a warm, comforting tavern, with a mug of something warm and hearty in front of you, a bowl of stew as well. In the distance, you hear a gentleman singing a little bit over the hum of the noise and comfort and warmth of the tavern. Now that you're settled into this comfy tale, let's dive in to an incredibly broken world full of Aes Sedai, Trollocs, Shades, an evil city, darkness, but also a lot of light. In this episode of Lasers and Lockets, the podcast that celebrates strong and complex female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment, this is episode 67. Is that the theme I sense? Welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show. I'm Lee, your friendly neighborhood host. As I don't want to kind of take us out of the vibe of tonight, I'm going to forego some news stories, but I will include them in the communicator after this episode, as well as on our Discord. So if you want to see a couple of really cool news stories, I'll have them there. All right, let's dive in tonight to the, the topic because... There's so much to talk about. If you haven't guessed from the clues, Wheel of Time is what we're talking about. Wheel of Time is a 2021 Amazon Prime series based around the Wheel of Time book series by Robert Jordan. The TV series centers around five young adults, mostly four, <laughs> but five young adults and a mysterious Aes Sedai named Moraine as they adventure to stop the Dark One from rising again. If you're a fan of the fantasy genre, this type of storyline is not new to us. We have many other series, such as The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so many more, that kind of explore this hero's quest or the chosen one type of storyline. But this TV series was one that re-engaged me in the fantasy worlds again and again and again. I found it fun and engaging. I have to preface this discussion by stating that I have not read the novels by Robert Jordan, so I am going to base my opinions and feelings and, and this exploration on the TV series alone. I will try to occasionally ma uh, mention in passing a tidbit here or there about the book characters if I found something particularly interesting in my research, but we'll mostly talk about the TV series. I would also like to state that I understand that some who have read the book series are not pleased with the television adaptation. There are changes, there are differences that are pretty stark, t according to those fans of the books. And I absolutely feel that that opinion is valid. Perhaps you might consider this adaptation as another turn of the wheel, if you will. With a world as vast as that book series, 
perhaps that reasoning could help you to consider the TV series as an entirely different entity. These will be my opinions and thoughts as I move through these characters. I had such fun watching the series, and then after doing a deep dive into the research and listening to podcasts and uh, watching YouTube videos about the world of Wheel of Time, the friend of the podcast, Kevin Batchelder, shared an incredible series with me called Watt 101, uh, and I will leave a link to that playlist as well as the deep dives that this gentleman does uh, in the show notes as well as in the communicator after this episode. But I learned so much more, but I also felt this incredible draw to perhaps read the books after, even though I am considering this TV series a completely separate entity from that. Something that I found helpful in my research and into to understanding this series is that there is sort of a, a yin and a yang, if you will. It is the symbol of the Aes Sedai, really, uh, that there is a female half of the one power and a male half of the one power. And uh, in the breaking, the male half of the one power became corrupted by the dark one. So really, in this particular world that we're discussing, basically the, the gender inequality has shifted so far towards the female side, which is rare because that's that's just not something that we see very often in our type of world. But in this world, it has swung so far towards the female side that there are even some female Aes Sedai who believe that men are just evil and should not use the power, the one power. We even see it in the very first episode when Leandrin gentles the man in front of the cliff and she says that the one power is not for men, that they make it dirty or evil. And uh, so, yeah, it's just such a fascinating world that has swung so far uh, towards the female that there's this, this massive gender inequality, which is, which is really interesting. Apparently, that is a large theme of the whole novel series as well, is that kind of gender inequality or gender struggle, um, among other things as well. In just eight short episodes, we saw a wealth of incredibly complex female characters in the series. Tonight, I think I'm going to hone in on mostly three. Possibly we'll talk about Leandrin as well, because I find her particularly interesting, especially the red faction of the Aes Sedai are, are particularly interesting. We really only get to know about the just about three of the colors in the Aes Sedai. So we learn about the blue faction, which is what Moraine is from. We learn a little bit more about the green faction, which is kind of the war faction. And then we also learn about the red faction, which is Leandrin's faction, which is kind of the, the faction that hunts out and uh, brings male channelers to the White Tower to be gentled. So we'll talk about gentling a little bit later because uh, it kind of becomes super important a little bit later in the in the series. The three characters that I want to discuss most this evening are part of the traveling party. So it'll be Egwene, Nynaeve, and Moraine the most. But we may also talk a little bit about Leandrin because I find Leandrin fascinating and I want to know more about her as well. So 
We also get a glimpse into a lot of other really powerful uh, female characters in this. Uh, we get a, a glimpse into them later in, in episode eight, uh, episode seven, episode six. Uh, so it's kind of, it's really fascinating because the series was a little bit slow towards the beginning half of it, but it really starts to pick up as you move into those later episodes. Again, it's just a short eight episodes for the whole series so far. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what we learn in season two as well. I think I'd like to begin by discussing Egwene. Um, Egwene is such an interesting character to me. So we meet her in the Two Rivers village that Moraine comes to. And Egwene is not what I expected her to be. So full disclosure, I deeply, deeply disliked Rand. And the whole, for the whole series, I just wanted to punch him in the throat the whole time. Uh, and I didn't understand why Egwene was with him, really, is the just the, the constant frustration of that. But Egwene is so much more than just Rand's girlfriend or whatever it may be. And I think before... I dive into Egwene, really, it's important to mention that the characters here in this series, it's, it's one of my favorite things in book series and in TV series, is the idea of the the story being told from biased points of view. And you see it in a lot of, a lot of TV series and a lot of books and things like that. But it's one of my favorite tropes, if you will. And if you remember from my last episode, I talked about how tropes are not necessarily a bad thing. I think people immediately connotate that with a negative thing. But tropes are awesome. I mean, that's why people enjoy certain kinds of media and certain kinds of books and things like that. It's because they have something that really speaks to them, a formula that really speaks to them. And this series is, is absolutely no different in that. So in this series, it's it's a very biased view. We're seeing the world not necessarily how it actually is, but we're seeing it from flawed characters in different areas of the world. So we're seeing the world from the two rivers. So this very insular community that people live and die in that village, okay? And so Egwene is so much more than just that little village. And that's one of the things that I love the most about her character. She initially comes off to you as this gentle, compassionate, full of love kind of person. And yet she wants something more from her life than just this little provincial life. And yes, I am thinking the song from Beauty and the Beast in my head right now. Um, but I actually do see a good parallel between Belle and Egwene uh, in this, actually, if you think about it. But Egwene wants more than just living in this small town and dying in this small town. She wants to be a wisdom. Nynaeve has been training her and, and bringing her up as another wisdom so that she can move forward to perhaps a different village or a different part of the world and being a wisdom there. Egwene is often the voice of reason when everything else around them is super chaotic. And I love that about her character. It's so cool to see a younger character like hers. Um, and I think they're all around the year, the, around 20 years of age. 
in uh, in this particular series or this turn of the wheel, if you will. Um, but she's so young, but yet she is is full of reason. And when everybody else is is super angry or getting really heated, uh, Egwene is kind of the one who keeps everyone together and calm and moving forward. Egwene does seem to believe in Moraine or Moraine's mission to some degree. And I, I don't know if that's partly because Moraine sees how incredibly powerful she is or, and, and Egwene really latches onto that, latches onto that belief that Moraine can show her a bigger, better world. And uh, I don't know if it's that or if it's just because she senses something in Moraine that is good and that she feels like she can trust. But it's so fascinating to see her defend Moraine time and time again, but also to stand up to her as well, which I found to be a really cool piece of her character. One thing that we also see about Egwene is that she is more than willing to consider other people's lives and saving other people far more than her own life. And so we see it time and time again throughout the the episodes in in the series. But her character is one of just a lot of compassion and love and wanting to heal people and wanting to save people and do the right thing. That's really a, a key thing that I see her time and time again wanting to do the right thing. But I also see how much she wants to go to the White Tower. She wants to be trained to be an Aes Sedai, even possibly. And I think that that's one of the things that made Rand somewhat redeemable to me, is that he recognizes that she doesn't want to be married and live in a small town and have a child and and all of this. She wants something more from her life. She wants that sisterhood bond uh, of of the Aes Sedai or of wisdoms or whatever it may be. And I really enjoy that about her character. And that's that was the one redeeming thing about Rand is that he recognized that she doesn't want that small life and he would be willing to go with her uh regardless of of what it would you know mean for his life but he would want to be with her and i mean seriously sometimes he says like the most weirdly possessive things in the in throughout the series but that was that was one thing that gave him a little bit of a redeeming quality to me uh about that but yeah Egwene is a super interesting character to me she has so much more depth to explore, and I cannot wait to learn more about her in season two, whenever that comes. <laughs> All right, Nynaeve. Okay, Nynaeve is a really interesting character to me, and and this is a perfect example of seeing the world through a flawed character's view, because Nynaeve in the TV series has a, a really tragic backstory and she is very guarded. I, I think of her kind of like a porcupine sort of like she has a really soft heart, but she's very prickly on the outside and she has a lot of maybe an armadillo is a better way to put that because she's very guarded and has this very like, yeah, she just has this armor on her outside. But Nynaeve is frighteningly strong in the power, the one power. 
And I think everybody underestimates her. They know that she's strong. Moraine clearly knows that she's strong. But I think that everybody sort of underestimates her capabilities. And I think that that gives her an advantage in some ways, because they don't see her coming ever, (laughs) really. Nynaeve is an enigma, really. Uh, she's hard to get to know, and we learn little tidbits about her throughout the, the series, but she's one I would love to learn more about in the next season or in the seasons to come. She, I think, is kind of more bark than bite, usually. Um, and I love seeing the friendship and more develop between her and Lan in, uh, throughout, the, throughout the season. But Nynaeve has this strong protector quality as well, and I always love a character that's sort of like that. But her her view of the world is very tainted by her inner demons, and so she sometimes acts... I think that's the thing about all the characters, really, if you think about it, is they act according to how they see the world. And it may not be correct, but it's how they see the world. And I think that's how we all uh, act, too, is we react to things or we see the world in a certain way, not necessarily how it really is. And, uh, well, maybe we are all, you know, we are all flawed characters who are telling the story, you know, which is is a really interesting parallel between our world and the world of Wheel of Time, which is interesting. But Nynaeve is a, a particularly strong character to see that. We see how incredibly powerful she is when we uh, see them trying to hold the shield around the fake dragon. And, uh, and yeah, it's just such an incredibly powerful scene, gut-wrenching scene, uh, but also this incredibly powerful scene where we see Nynaeve basically use the one power with the, the basically the strength of the whole sun, really is what we see, but it's just something you got to see to be able to understand. The visuals in this TV series are incredibly powerful. I have heard from some people that they don't love the, the visual effects in the series, but uh, I think I just really enjoy the way that they show the Aes Sedai's power as, you know, as white sort of white threads flowing from them and coming together. And when you see the male channelers who have been corrupted, you see the darkness sort of weave its way through and sort of overpower the the white threads that they could potentially have, which is a a really powerful way to visually show the the corruption in them. Anyway, uh, Nynaeve, she really does fight these inner demons and I think that it's one thing that makes her so powerful in the series because she's kind of like a lone ranger, and yet she has so much love for the four, you know, for Perrin and uh, Rand and Egwene and Matt, and she wants to protect and save them all. Moraine has already uh, sort of counted her out as the potential dragon reborn because she's older. She's about five or so years older than the others. However, it's very unsure about the age 
of her because they they said that you know she was brought as a baby to the village but uh but she mentions that she remembers the last thing that her parents said to her so either she's got this incredible memory because of the one power or uh you know the the records are really uncertain about all of that it may also just be an unreliable uh an unreliable narrator to the story really and and that's you know, that's one thing that I really loved about one of the videos I watched is they talked about that unreliable narrator because they they may not they're seeing the world as they think they see it, um, not necessarily how it is. And and yeah, anyway. So Nynaeve, super interesting character. Um, we really don't know too much about her. We learn we learn little tidbits throughout the episodes, but uh, I cannot wait to learn more about her in season two as well. All right, this brings us to my probably my favorite character of the whole series, and that is Moraine. So did you see that coming? I'm sure you did, especially because I was talking about it last episode too. But Moraine is one of my favorite kinds of tropes. She's the the morally gray or morally uncertain, because I don't necessarily see Moraine as morally gray. I just see her as morally uncertain. So as an Aes Sedai, one thing that we learn is that they take these four oaths, I believe, might be five. There are four. I think there are four. But one of them is that they cannot lie. But the really interesting thing about the Aes Sedai is they've found ways around their oaths that they've taken. Always a new and exciting way, I'm sure. But they, the thing that's probably the key thing here is that they can't speak anything that they don't believe to be true, which is maybe the way that you kind of skirt your way around uh, not telling the truth. Because you may believe something is true and be able to say it without, you know, breaking that oath. So Moraine is is one of those kind of characters that you just absolutely fall in love with because you want to understand her and understand what's going on with her. I find Moraine to be a really interesting character because she is both brave and careful at the same time. And I think that that's something that is quite rare with characters like like Moraine, because you're often you're either seen as just brave or you're just seen as careful. But being brave and careful at the same time is particularly interesting. Moraine, though, is willing to take a chance and to fight for what she believes to be right. And I really enjoy that about her character. You see a lot of pain in her character and you see a lot of kind of the weight of the world on her shoulders. As a blue, uh, as a blue Aja or the blue Aja is the, is the group that she belongs to or the faction. Uh, she is kind of like a spy so she's seen a lot in the world and she's pretty secretive. And that's one thing that I find really interesting about her character is that she only gives enough information to keep Egwene and Matt and Perrin and Rand in, in even Nynaeve uh, in, in check. But Nynaeve is always willing to butt heads with Moraine. And, and clearly she doesn't like Moraine, but she, you know, respects her power. And I think Moraine does the same with Nynaeve. But I also think that I don't think that Moraine flat out dislikes any of them. But I think uh, that maybe 
maybe it's just a lack of trust in anyone but herself and Lan, really. Um, but yeah, it's just such a fascinating relationship that they have this sort of headbutting but also keeping each other in check uh, sort of relationship because moraine is sort of a spy it makes total sense to me that she's really good at just keeping things close to her vest but we get a glimpse of her not as all put together as you always hope that that somebody who is leading your party is uh, in in episode six. We see her walls fall, and there are some incredibly beautiful moments in that episode. And I would highly recommend if you have not yet watched the series, you know, when you get to that episode, pay close attention because there are so many things that you learn, so many nods to things, so many uh, really nuanced little bits of of visual information that you receive. While Moraine is very much a lone ranger sort of person, kind of like Nynaeve, you do see the close, close bond that she has with her warder, which is Lan. But you also see the respect and love that she has for her sisters, the Aes Sedai. And that's one thing that I really love about the Aes Sedai, is that while they're from different factions, and they have different driving motivations. They all seem to have some sort of respect and even potentially love for each other. It makes sense uh, because they have such a strong sisterhood. And really, sisterhood is one of the strongest bonds on this earth or potentially in the universe. So I love that that is the case as well when it comes to this world of the Wheel of Time as well. We see, uh, we see Leandrin sort of challenge, uh, challenge Moraine in many different ways when they're at the White Tower. But you see the, the wildly different ideologies that they have. And yet Moraine trusts her to take care of things when when there's something that needs to be taken care of we see her sort of threaten leandrin uh, as well but i just i'm curious to see more about those different uh those different ajas in uh in season two hopefully we'll get to know more one thing that i found really interesting and this could mean nothing and sorry i'm kind of jumping back to nynaeve but nynaeve often wears a green coat or a green jacket, but she wears yellow skirts frequently. And I could be reading too much into that, but I wonder if, you know, she would be really good as a green Naja. She she would be a wonderful war participant. She's so powerful. I think she would be very good at defending and fighting the powers of evil. But I also would love to learn more about the yellow faction as well, because the only thing we uh the only thing we really know about the yellow is that we saw in one of the episodes that a white coat had uh captured and killed one of the yellows. So we don't know too much about them. They they seem like they might be a little bit more passive, but I'm not sure. Uh so I, I hope we get to learn more about the other factions uh in, in season two as well. Overall though, Moraine is such uh, an incredibly powerful character, and there's the actor is so brilliant. I actually can't remember if I've seen her in something else, but she I find her perfect for this role because she has this ability to 
show, you know, with her eyes, just really her eyes, her emotions. And I think that's such an important part of this character of Moraine is that she's really reserved, but she also has such that quiet strength in her eyes too, which is, which is powerful. Moraine, Moraine, Moraine. I just want to protect her at all costs. Uh, at the end of, of the season, I just was like, no. Anyway, I, I don't want to spoil wildly anything for any of you. But if you're if you're listening to this episode, I, I apologize. There were probably a few spoilers in there. But mostly I just wanted to talk about the characters, not really the the plot or the events of the of the course of the series, but uh, Moraine, yes, I just love that character and I want to protect her at all costs and I want her to succeed. I want to know her motivations more. I want to know more about her. And uh, one of my friends actually told me that I should probably read the prequel to the Wheel of Time series because they talk a lot more about Moraine and where she came from and all of that, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I, I might, you know, after watching the series, I feel like I could comfortably read the novels and not be angry uh, about them. I think it might be hard to come from a world where you love the characters so much and you have this world built up in your mind about what it's supposed to be like and then to have a TV series have things different for the characters, just slightly different. But that's one thing that I love that the video series that I watched on YouTube talked about is that this could just be a, a, a turn of the wheel where the characters are kind of the same, but also th there is some room for changes or differences um, for, for things to be just slightly different, a little bit off or whatever it may be. There are major differences, of course, with the backstories of some of the characters and things, uh, apparently from the books to the TV series. But anyway, I would be, I think I would be interested in reading the books now after this. I don't know if I'd read them right away or, or wait a little bit, but uh, the world of, of Wheel of Time has just really reinvigorated my love for the fantasy uh, genre as well. And uh, I think that the TV series is a great entry into that, uh, into that space here. Overall, the Wheel of Time TV series is good. It's, I was going to say great, and then I said good, and then it came out good. Um, but it is good. It's, it's great. It's good. I thoroughly enjoyed it uh, from start to finish. It was really a powerful series. I felt emotional while I was watching it. I felt hopeful while I was watching it. I wanted to punch Rand in the throat while I was watching it. But uh, overall, is it worth a watch? I think so. Absolutely. If you like the fantasy genre and you want a, a great entry into it, I would highly, highly recommend this series. If you've read the books before and you are afraid to watch the TV series, I would recommend watching the, uh, the, the videos that I'll link in the show notes. I am so sorry I cannot remember the name of the YouTuber who put them together, but uh, I will include that, of course, in the show notes and also in the communicator and on our Discord and everything. But he has a really great way of looking at it, and I think it makes the series more enjoyable if you've read the books before and then want to watch the TV series. 
So if you're interested in that, I'll, I'll definitely leave that for you in the show notes and, and, and elsewhere. So this brings me to the episode question. And my question here is going to have required you to have watched the whole series. But the question is, was the darkness telling each of them the truth? Or was it lying to them like Moraine told them? I will be so curious to hear your answers. You can tweet them to us at Lasers Lockets. You can share it on our Discord community. The link will be in the show notes. Or you can leave us a little voicemail here on Anchor, and I would be I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And I think that's it for this episode of Lasers and Lockets. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey with me tonight. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Until then, stay out of the shadows, befriend your local Aes Sedai, get your nerd on, and be awesome. All right. <laughs>